Namaste. On the occasion of the mother's 143rd birthday on 21st February, we take up a prayer of hers on her own birthday. It is a unique prayer, the only documented prayer on her birthday. Maybe she had written other prayers also on her birthday, but as we know that almost four-fifths of the writings of her prayers and meditations have been removed. She didn't want it to be part of uh, the collection. So we have now this particular prayer, which is left as far as her birthday is concerned. And we shall read this prayer, 21st February 1914. This prayer is a wonderful prayer. All prayers are wonderful. Because it also gives us a hint how we should uh, look upon on our birthdays. And the mother has followed it to an extent where even on her 80th birthday, one of her messages is to celebrate the birth of a Transitory body may satisfy some faithful feelings, but to celebrate the advent of a new world is a privilege, is a rare privilege that can be done at every moment. Even when Shurabindu was asked that shouldn't we treat every day as your birthday, he said yes, that is the right attitude. Having said that, there is no doubt that on special days, darshan days of which 21st February is one of the darshan days. There are special descents because when the mother, divine mother, she takes a human body, it is a descent. It's a descent of the highest plane or beyond the highest planes, the very highest, assuming a human body. So there is a recurring memory of the event and the whatever happened in the cyclic process of time that tends to repeat itself every year. So whenever that day comes, it is like nature remembers that this is the day when the Divine Mother had touched this earth. And we see how beautifully it is documented in Savitri when Shirmindu says, all nature was at, uh, you know, beauty's festival. So the whole nature has response. It knows that the Divine Mother is coming. And we know that when the Divine Mother took a human body, uh, what took place? There were upheavals subsequently. When we see Mother and Shurabindu's life, because the whole nature, on one side, it responded with joy and beauty. And we see suddenly around 1900, new ideas, forces, new ways of thought, they suddenly started coming up in this, uh, up on earth. At the same time, we see strong resistances which came up, because earth knew that um, now the time of change has come and all changes, we see a kind of upheaval and a revolution. So all that also started. So that is the story of Mother and Shurabindu's coming within a short period of time, 22 years of her birth. We see upheavals had started. At the same time, we see that new ideas were released upon earth whose far-reaching implications we are witnessing now. Many new ideas, many new activities from, uh, you know, flying to new theories, the theories of relativity and so on and so forth. So the implications we are receiving now. Mother mentions that also in one of her prayers. But then what really is her birthday and in general birthday, what is it an occasion for? 
Most people spend their birthday partying and they spend their birthdays in meeting and greeting friends, receiving wishes, cutting a cake, lighting a candle, blowing a candle. All that is meaningless, you know, that kind of an activity where we actually lose the moment. It is not a celebration for, it's not a parting time with the world. It's a moment of celebration but an inner quiet celebration. It's a moment when we look back into our own life so far and see what distance we have covered, what is the gap that still remains between us and the aim. And it is a time when we can get new strength to break the bonds of the past. See what is really birth, if you look at the human birth, just any birth for that matter, but look at the human birth. What really is a human birth? I am not talking of birth in a deeper spiritual sense, which is about the limitation of the spirit in a form. That is what is meant by birth in the highest sense. But what is a human birth? It is a transition from a state or a condition in which we are in the womb, in darkness, in which we are surrounded by, you know, the amniotic fluid through which we are receiving things. We don't know who is our mother. We don't know how we are being nourished. It's a kind of unconscious life or a semi-conscious life. And then there is a labor pain. And then we are born. The moment we are born, there is a massive transition. Now life begins in the real sense. Now, was there no life in the womb? As the scientists know, they would say, no, there is life in the womb. So what is the difference between that life and this life? That now we have broken free from an environment in which there was no personal effort of life. Life was just carrying on. So there is a period of, of uh, you know, human journey when we don't make an effort but nature is doing things in us. Actually we think we are making an effort but basically all this is going on as a mechanical process, thoughts, suggestions, emotions, impulses, whatever direction everybody is going, we are straining our will, we are pushed by desires, we are being knocked around and we go on through life. This is a process of unconscious preparation. But the moment a time comes when we begin to become conscious, we want to make choices, we want to decide what we want to do. And this decision is not based on just a number of outer possibilities, but on our deep inner possibilities. So birth means now a conscious effort. In the womb, the child doesn't have to even make an effort to breathe. But the moment the child comes out, there is the breath of life. And from that point onwards, the effort begins which will go on right up till the last moment of life. So birth is breaking away from the past and every birthday is an occasion to come out of the past and take a leap towards the future. Second thing that she reminds us because birthday is also a day when people do take resolutions. So resolutions are uh, not something on the surface. You know, very often, uh, you know, we say, okay, okay, I'm going to resolve this and we write in a diary, but it gets broken. Resolution is something which is taken deep inside in our silent depths. And when we take a resolution in those depths, then it stays. It's like a promise we have made to ourselves. And therefore, there is, there is a second dimension of birthday that we need to go within and make a promise to ourselves, a resolve within, and then carry on with our life towards the future. And the third thing that she reminds us on a birthday is that uh, normally we think that if we are very active, we are doing a lot of work. This is one of the illusions that we as human beings carry. Just as we carry the illusion of knowledge because we have read books we know, we also carry the illusion of love wherein because outwardly we are doing things, we are doing it as an act of love. And so also we carry an illusion of work that if we are very active, then we are doing work. But where is the secret of true service? What really is true work? 
So all these things we see in this prayer, beautiful prayer, short prayer of the mother, February 21st, 1914. And here she starts with this wonderful thing, May each day be a birthday, each day, each moment must be an occasion for a new and completer consecration. So essentially it's the urge for constant progress. This is what the psychic is meant for. So essentially all birthday, we must renew this, rekindle this fire for progress. And not one of those enthusiastic and trepidant consecrations, overactive, full of the illusion of the work, but a profound and silent consecration, which need not be apparent. You see, what is this kind of overactive uh, illusion of consecration, over-enthusiastic? You see, um, we have those special prayer gatherings when people gather together and they do a special prayer. Or we have in India, for example, the tradition of doing a yajna. So there is a maha yajna where people come from all over and they, you know, sit together and a lot of home is done with a lot of chanting of mantras. Very beautiful and everything is fine. But essentially, the real consecration is what is happening deep inside the heart. And it's a very quiet consecration. Nobody may know outside. You may not have even approached or entered a temple or a mosque or a church or a gurudwara. And yet deep within your heart, this consecration is going on. So that silent consecration is what the divine notes. The divine does not take keep an account. He is not a you know person sitting on the gate like uh, you know the people who sit on the gate with a book and they see who is entering and who is not entering. He is not a watchman of that kind. He is not a watchdog. He is a watch god. So what he does is he observes what is going on quietly in the heart. So our whole focus should be what is going on within rather than what is going on outside. So she says that which need not be apparent but which penetrates and transfigures every action. It is this consecration within, this yajna within, this prayer within, this aspiration within, which changes every action. How does it change? By offering these actions to the inner divine. And we pray, we aspire that may my life change, may my thoughts be more illumined, may my heart be purified of all trouble, all tumults, all grossness of passions. May my life be purified in terms of its aims, its goals. May I be purified of petty egoisms. May the ego vanish and your presence take its place. May the very body itself become a beautiful channel and a perfect instrument of thy force, thy peace, thy light. So this is something which is going on inside and it should go on inside as and when. There is no particular mood. So here by saying each moment, the mother is liberating us from this idea that there are special moments when we need to worship God. Yes, special moments are there because nature is, uh, you know, uh, is in that mode. But for a man who has taken to yoga, he doesn't stay with only those special moments. For him, every moment is a special moment. It's a moment of rendezvous with God. So this is what she is reminding us that the real consecration is deep within and it's in the silent quietude of the heart and it can take place each day and each moment. Our mind, so now she is reminding us what is that state in which a consecration is done. Our mind, solitary and at peace, must rest always in thee 
and from this pure summit it must have the exact perception of realities of the soul and eternal reality behind unstable and fugitive appearances such a beautiful way of looking upon life our own life and the world life we are constantly living on the surface caught up in the surface agitation and under the name that all life is yoga we think automatically it should change no first we have to learn to step back and look for that eternal reality that eternal reality is the stable basis so to go within and be at peace deep within and then from that poise to look upon the world how things are changing if you really look just at our own day how every day thoughts are constantly coming and going constantly coming and going remember that experience of shirobindo of nirvana that three days he was asked to just watch over the thoughts and he looks at the thoughts and he sees that they are coming and going and then he is asked to push them away and he pushes them away and the mind gets silent so thoughts feelings suggestions will impulses they all come from outside from a cosmic field so what when do we say ki it it is within me because we become conscious when it is within us so take for example when somebody suddenly discovers smoke inside the house or discovers a snake inside the house or somebody inside the house we say that you know he is inside but actually where did he come inside he came from outside so if my doors were uh, you know there was a clear cut watch upon that or if the doors were carefully shut then it wouldn't happen so if a thief comes inside at night what do we say there is a thief in my house but this is actually the thief came from outside but we came we became conscious of the thief when he came too close to us so same thing happens that our brain we are so much identified with the body that when things come and touch our brain and trigger the sensation of thought that we say i am thinking the same applies to suggestions it applies to all kinds of things sailing within us my feeling my thought my views my ideas my opinions my impulses my wish my desire they all come from outside so she is teaching us how to step back from all these ever changing appearances because if you really see how things are changing throughout the day and to step back and look at things from the standpoint of the eternal reality so this is a day when we can be much more easily in touch with the eternal reality and from there we look at these ever changing unstable fugitive appearances but the thing we do is we just catch hold of them and saying this is mine we flow with them that's when the problem comes anger comes for instance now anger comes from outside otherwise it it's not possible for anybody to say okay now i'll get angry at this point of time it was something inside we should be able to generate it at will there is no way we can just generate even a thought at will that is the unless we are constantly in company with a thought and know how to draw that particular thought it comes to us at a point of time hunger comes to us anger comes to us peace comes to us now we have to learn to tune in so our brain our heart tends to tune into certain things and they come but ordinarily they just come and they go away and we hold on to them and that's where the problem comes fugitive appearances oh lord my heart is purified from trouble and anguish so why it is purified when we look at life like this then we are purified from trouble and anguish is that story of this too shall pass away we think that something is happening in my life outwardly we get too much troubled harassed by it because we think this is going to last 
Is it really going to last? No. When we say that everything in this world is changing, it's actually a big relief. Many people get scared because they believe everything is changing means my happiness will also go away. Happiness will not go away. Maybe the object that we cherished and gave us happiness may go away. Happiness is something which is the nature of reality. But at the same time, it also means that the cause of sorrow and suffering will also go away. The suffering itself will vanish because these are states even suffering is like a cloud that assails us and goes away. So when we look at life like this, when we learn to look at life like this, when we face everything with a luminous smile, because we know even what we call as death and make such a halabulu about it, it comes and goes away. Okay, it takes us on a journey and we are back in a new body. So everything in life is ever-changing appearance when we know this truth and we know simultaneously that behind this ever-changing perception there is a stable, eternal reality, then our mind and our heart is at peace. First, our mind is at peace because we know these appearances are ever-changing. We are not caught up by that. We know there is an eternal reality which is the source of all peace and happiness and our heart is freed from all anguish because we know all circumstances and situations of life will come and they will go away. But that eternal truth will remain. So she says, O Lord, my heart is purified from trouble. Why she is using the word purification here? Normally we understand by purity things which are bad in nature. All Trouble, all disorder, all excitement, all agitation, all fear, all kinds of things which create turbulence are actually impurities. Why they are called impurities? Because the eternal reality is ever unchanging beatitude, peace, bliss, wisdom, light, infinity. So that is the nature of the eternal reality. So all this is like a surface agitation. So whatever creates agitation, whatever creates anxieties, and all these movements of excitements, even overjoyousness, sorrow, all these are nothing but impurities. So she says, my heart is purified. Purified from trouble and anguish. It is firm and calm. It is firm and calm and it sees thee in everything. Why? Because he says that I have learned to go behind appearances. Then only one can see the divine in everything. So, before we talk about divinizing life, the first step is to see the divine in everything. We cannot do it so long as we remain on the surface. Because on the surface are ever-changing appearances where the divine reality is eternal and unchanging. So first step is to find the divine within. Then yes, that divine beatitude, divine bliss, divine love, divine light should flow into life and action. But that is the second step. The first step is to discover this vast unchanging reality. And whatever the outer actions, whatever the circumstances the future has in store for us, I know that thou alone livest. So there are a lot of people who come and initially in the yoga they immediately get into what work shall I do, what work shall I do. And Shubindu said that ordinarily the first stage of ordinary karma yoga is get purified of egoism in work. It's not what work you are doing. It's with what attitude you are doing it so that you are purified of egoism. You are purified of desire which means not to focus on the result but do the work as a consecration and a service as an act of love with an aspiration to grow in wisdom and nearness to God. Now when we do work with that, then actually it doesn't matter what is the outer action that one is doing. 
What is the outer work that one is doing? Because any work, even the most seemingly trivial, even the act of getting ready, bathing, dressing up, everything can turn into a consecrated ritual. See, everyday activity that we are doing, here work is not only the job. Say we are taking a bath. Why are we taking a bath? Most of us are say, would say that I do it because, well, that's a habit. That's a good thing to be done. Uh, well, it washes me clean. Then we want to look good. Why do we want to good look? Because I want to put an impressive figure before the world. That's where the falsehood starts in. But I want to look good because it's not about looking externally good. But I want to be in a healthy, happy state. And everything of mine should reflect that. I am going to meet the divine in the world. I am not going to meet human beings. So when we do things with that state and we sit in a quiet, calm concentration and consecration, then we realize that, well, life begins to change. Every activity, when we thus consecrate to the eternal reality, then regardless of circumstances, we find the divine there. Why? Because we are getting ready now to meet the divine. He is within us and now he is in the world. When we are meeting human beings, when we are doing a work, when we are sitting in an office, that's another kind of temple of the divine. To turn our workspaces into a temple of the divine. This is the need of the hour. We have had enough of temples, enough of mosques, enough of churches. And they were meant to nourish the psychic, the spiritual being of man. They did their job. Now they are, they become counterproductive. They have overdone. Why? When it is overdone, when they start saying that, well, this is the only place where you can find God. Their whole objective was to nurture and nourish the spiritual aspiration of man. But over a period of time, they became places where all kinds of things from politics and power and everything has taken place around these places. So now the divine is reminding us the eternal truth that I am within you. I am within all creatures and I am in this entire creation. So this is the, they will remain for those who need to worship or go to such places because they are not ready to go within. But at the same time, we must understand that this going without is meaningless if we don't go also within. There are two complementary movements. So she says, it sees thee in everything and whatever the outer actions Whatever the circumstances the future has in store for us, I know that thou alone livest. To eat food from her hands, it turns prashad, as somebody has beautifully said. When you do work with this idea of doing it as a consecration to God, then it becomes seva. When you cook food with the idea that you are preparing it for God, it becomes uh, prashad. When you do anything with this idea of love of God, it becomes a puja. It's not puja, is not something outer. Anything that we are doing, we are doing as a consecration to the divine, it becomes puja. When whatever we do, we consecrate and offer to the divine presence within, then it becomes yagya. When whatever we may be doing, wherever we may be, when we are having this aspiration to unite with the divine within, it becomes yoga. It may be an act of physically walking. It's not necessary that for yoga means we have to do some special exercises. We may be walking, but we are carrying this aspiration that may this walk turn into a means of union with thee, it becomes yoga. When we even take breath and with each breath we try to remember the divine, it becomes the most natural pranayam. So this is how our life has to change. This is the new orientation she is giving to life. And see, this is the yoga that she will bring to earth and man. This is just less than a, you know, a little more than a month when she will meet Shurabindo. 
and after that a new yoga the integral yoga where all life is yoga will begin so here she is giving us a very beautiful simple practical hint about how to turn all life into yoga so not to worry about future circumstances all outer work that we are doing but to focus within i know that thou alone livest that thou alone art real in the immutable permanence and it is in thee that we live this is the first fundamental realization of this yoga shobindu reminds us that the first thing needful actually yoga begins after that yoga begins after we have had this experience of definitive union with the divine within before that it's all preparation it's all becoming conscious it's all waiting in the queue but not really yoga yoga begins when the first step has been taken to discover the divine presence within or at least the psychic being within till then we are apprentices of yoga we are practitioners of yoga but then the first step and then yes of course the rest of the unfolding uh, which we know you know mother anshavinda has spoken about it the new manifestation and when a heart is full of peace thus full of peace she says may there be peace upon all the earth when such a person who is himself realized the divine says may you be in peace it has a tremendous impact when a person who is realized the inner happiness the true happiness says may you be happy it makes a difference when the person who has experienced true love in the heart the divine love in the heart says that may love be upon you it makes a difference so we read this prayer again it's a beautiful prayer a reminder to all of us of what our life should be not only on our birthdays but on every every day every moment can become a birthday if we really take this attitude and this approach three things we learn here that the real action that takes place for a yogin is inside so the first step is come out of this surface agitation and go within and when we go within we discover that stable basis of all things second when we discover this stable basis of all things the eternal reality then all this surface agitation we can look upon all this as a passing appearance they come and go they leave us undisturbed and third when we discover this truth within we discover it everywhere so if we intellectually try to say divine is in everyone so start behaving that divine is in everyone it doesn't work because we have not realized so we'll create a chaos and confusion in the world but when we have realized the divine within and then we start looking at the world we see the divine presence but we also see the changing appearances of nature the right law of each being and there is a spontaneous guidance about what should be done with each one and in each and every different circumstances but that comes much later right now the first step is to discover the divine within us and the divine in the world and for that our focus should shift from the outer life to the inner life this is the real meaning of a birthday this is how it ought to be uh, lived and uh, if you may use the word celebrated <laughs> so observed february 21st 1914 each day each moment must be an occasion for a new and completer consecration not those mechanical consecration not those okay today i have done my mantras my quota of prayer i sat for my half an hour no it's a new and completer something we have missed out something we have not seen a new and completer consecration 
and not one of those enthusiastic and trepidant consecrations, overactive, trepidant. It looks very formidable, but there is nothing really inside. Trepidant consecrations, overactive, full of the illusion of the work, but a profound and silent consecration which need not be apparent but which penetrates and transfigures every action. Each day, each moment must be an occasion for a new and completer consecration and not one of those enthusiastic and trepidant consecrations Overactive, full of the illusion of the work, but a profound and silent consecration which need not be apparent, but which penetrates and transfigures every action. Our mind, solitary and at peace, must rest always in thee. Solitary mind. A mind that has risen to great heights alone can be solitary. Otherwise it becomes a jostling crowd, crowded market, like a public square. She speaks of the mind like a public square where all kinds of thoughts come, crisscross and go. But a mind which is truly risen above the movements of nature, Surface flow and flux becomes solitary. It is a mind that has risen to height to the heights of thought, the summits of thought. So she uses the word solitary and at peace because it's no more a public square. The traffic is on the road, also perhaps in the air, but not in interstellar spaces. That's there's no traffic. There are huge stars which whirl past and you can go that way. <laughs> the mind can go to that state. Must rest always in thee. When we enter into this vastness, the mind is always at rest. And from this pure summit, the highest thought that we can capture. So mind must, see is giving us even the way, how to reach this eternal soul reality, pick up the highest thought. The highest thought is, the divine is within us. Or the divine, all is within the divine. Or we are in the divine. Any, any such highest thought. Pick up that thought and climb to the summits holding that thought. And then from that thought we will discover the eternal soul reality that the thought represents. So she is teaching us step by step. Our mind, solitary and at peace, must rest always in thee. And from this pure summit, it must have the exact perception of realities. Otherwise, we have very biased perception. When we are caught in the melee, then we are looking at things which are immediately in front of us. People often ask that, you know, I want to see a change, tangible change within a few weeks. You cannot. If you are on the ground, you won't perceive the real action. But when you come out, then you really see how things are moving, how things are shaping. You can see that the day is going to come when still there is night upon earth. Because you see the earth actually rotating and turning towards the sun. So the same thing happens when we rise in our consciousness within, then we have the correct perception of realities. Otherwise we are caught in it emotionally, 
uh, intellectually through this or that opinion, egoistically through our own preferences, and we cannot see even the realities the uh, of the everyday, um, you know, uh, moments, everyday whatever is happening in life. So then we have the exact perception of realities. Of the soul and eternal reality, at the same time we have the perception of the one unchanging eternal reality behind everything. Behind unstable and fugitive appearances. So what is that perception one has? See, sometimes they show on the um, on the screen, fast forward this. So, lot of traffic going on. Now, you know, when you are caught in it, you see this car, that car. When you rise, see from a high rise building, it's like constant jostling of people and uh, cars and trams and buses going here and there. And now that is another kind of perception. Where you see constantly things are changing, they are flowing towards where, who is driving them. Then we can raise this question. So, this is what she is asking us to enter this state, this summit, where we can discover our mind, solitary and at peace, must rest always in thee. This is the best way to give the mind rest, to think of the divine. And from the this pure summit, it's must have the exact perception of realities of the soul and eternal reality behind unstable and fugitive appearances. So if one has a headache, if one has troubled mind, agitations, anxieties, all that is needed is to let the mind rest in the divine. It can be through an image that one is resting in the lap of the divine mother or by simply thinking of the divine or imagining him as something vast beyond this creation. By this mere thought, even this image, the mind tends to enter into a state of rest. Agitation is always on the surface. O Lord, my heart is purified from trouble and anguish. So she is giving us a cure for all trouble and anguish. It is firm and calm. And it sees thee in everything and whatever the outer actions... Whatever the circumstances the future has in store for us, I know that thou alone livest. Such a mind, such a person doesn't worry about the future. He is ready any time for anything. Why? Because he knows that the divine is with him. And he knows that whatever be the circumstances, everything will change. But what will remain is the eternal truth. Truth will have the last word. So there is no question of any trouble. He knows that the divine is the source of all things and everything, every change of season, every good and bad experience is leading one, oneself and this world toward the divine. So the heart is at rest and we do not worry about the future. We do not go to soothsayers or to those who can prophesy because the ultimate prophecy is that because the divine is there, truth will win. See what is the ultimate prophecy. It is this Satyameva Jayatinatitam. It's a prophecy. It's a prophecy based on what? It's based on the perception that truth has made this world. If truth has made the world, truth is the all-powerful eternal reality. And whatever may be the appearances, the truth will have the last word. Because all else can dissolve, but truth will remain. It is the stable basis. Love will be the victor. Why? Because it is the saviour of creation, the first power that has gone into it. Even if the world rises in hate against it, still love will be the victor. So this perception brings the heart at peace. 
that thou alone art real in thy immutable permanence and it is in thee that we live even if the whole universe were to vanish still we know that that will remain this is the perception the state in which we must live awaken and live and let this birthday of the mother be a beautiful moment for us to take this resolve that may we live in this eternal abiding divine presence within us and we live within that divine presence if we can take this and realize it because see we have seen so much change this past us in the last one year so this is a wonderful occasion for a change to say change i have seen let me discover the changeless the temporary transient things ever changing the play of life and death the dance of all kinds of forces we have seen the tumbling and toppling of governments the change of systems of seasons we have seen but let us discover that which is eternal and real o lord my heart is purified from trouble and anguish it is firm and calm and it sees thee in everything and whatever the outer actions whatever the circumstances the future has in store for us i know that thou alone livest that thou alone art real in thy immutable permanence and it is in thee that we live may there be peace upon all the earth so on this day let us pray for peace that the world needs the progress that the world must make the huge progress which is a leap from this ever changing appearances towards the divine so on this particular day let us offer ourselves that let there be peace upon earth and let there be progress that the world desperately needs when we don't progress we fall as laggards on the way then we have to be we are forced to progress by events and circumstances which shake the very foundations of our life because everything is what happens when everything is suddenly changing you hold to the roots you hold to that which will not fly away you know there is there was that advertisement it's very interesting it shows there is a massive tornado and everything flies away <laughs> and this man holds on to a pole and all that remains with him is his fragrance now this the the advertisement is very you know uh, funky it's a bit catchy and uh, but the interesting part is that there is something within when everything is shaken away from life then we want to hold on to the roots we cling automatically it's human nature what is not going to change what is what we can hold on to like markande falling at the feet of the lord in the face of death so all these events as the mother says that it is one of those hours of god when the old bases are shaken so that a new thing can emerge so it's a moment of transition through which we are passing and let us find and hold on to that alone which is eternal that alone which is real that alone which is unique that alone which is true that alone which is that brings peace and that opens the door to true progress and not those and over enthusiastic outer things so a final reading february 21st 1914 each day each moment must be an occasion for a new and completer consecration and not one of those enthusiastic and trepidant consecrations 
overactive, full of the illusion of the work, but a profound and silent consecration which need not be apparent, but which penetrates and transfigures every action. Our mind, solitary and at peace, must rest always in Thee, and from this pure summit it must have the exact perception of realities, of the soul and eternal reality, behind unstable and fugitive appearances. O Lord, my heart is purified from trouble and anguish. It is firm and calm, and it sees thee in everything. And whatever the outer actions, whatever the circumstances the future has in store for us, I know that thou alone livest, that thou alone art real in thy immutable permanence and it is in thee that we live may there be peace upon all the earth was there